We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often an hour's. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one day rule on its head and offer back to back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code datable and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. The Dateable Podcast features real stories from real people of how they make modern dating work, or not. Each episode will not only offer you a new perspective on dating, but will also change the way you date. I'm your host, Yue, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear commentary from my producer, Julie Krafchick, and other surprise co-hosts. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dateable, a show all about modern dating. We've talked about the Me Too movement before, only as part of other topics, and I think it's worthwhile to devote an entire episode to how the Me Too movement has changed the dating landscape. And what we've heard on our show and also from our guests are some men are very confused about what they're supposed to do these days. We had a guy say, I don't even know if I should lean in for the first kiss anymore before asking for consent. And other men have said, I've just given up approaching women at bars in general because I have no idea what is right and what is wrong anymore. So I think it's so important to have this discussion with our guest, Matthew Solomon, who is the coach for The Modern Soul, an empowerment coach specializing in communication relationships and the author of the number one Amazon new release, Man School, Relating with Women in the Me Too Era. How fitting. He also writes a 
weekly column, Too Sensitive for the Goodman Project, which is how we found him. Right? Yeah. The Goodman Project. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Just a little background about who you are, because you already know. You're 46 <laughs> years old. He's lived in LA all his life, and he's currently in a monogamous relationship. So, Matthew, in your article, Can a Man Still Date in the Me Too Era? You give a very nice historical explanation of the Me Too movement, which stems from 2006. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Sure. Well, a lot of people don't know this, and I I didn't actually when I started writing the book. The Me Too movement was started in 2006 by a, a woman named Tarana Burke, and it was originally started to support mostly women of color in sharing their stories and having a safe space to do that. And it wasn't until after you know Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein and, and all of those cases came to light in 2017 when the online movement started with, with the hashtag MeToo. And so you know, it's very important for me, especially as a white man in this conversation to to acknowledge where the movement began and that it's, it was started by a woman of color and that it, it was started some time ago, you know, in 2006. And it, it wasn't until recently that it's really become publicized. Why do you think that when it was started in 2006, it didn't really make as big of a splash as it did recently? Well, I think part of it, definitely social media mm. and, you know, with Twitter and Facebook and hashtags and Instagram, like all of that. I mean, it, it, this is just the way we communicate now and share information. Whereas back then it, it, it was just not, I, I forget when actually Facebook was started, but you know, 2005. Was, so we didn't even have hashtags back then. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's just how we've evolved in quotes, yeah. you know, through, through social media and how we share information and communicate and the culture is different. Get Black Lives Matter and that that movement, you know, like erupting out of social media with that hashtag. I, I, th I think social media has given us a platform for cultural movements. And yeah. so I think that that's, that's a big part of that. I think for better or worse too, like the celebrity involvement right. is probably, sure. is just going to get media attention. Right? Helps that's true. You know, Alyssa Milano was, was who I believe first posted a, a Me Too story and and that's, yeah, being a, a celebrity, it, it brought light to it. The fact that hashtag me too was Time Magazine's person of the year mm -hmm. in 2017 mm -hmm. just shows how massive this movement is. And I think at this point, we have some listeners who are probably asking, why are we interviewing a man about the Me Too movement? And mm -hmm. I think this is a good time to pause and just say, I think one of the issues we faced in recent years, and this is what we gather from talking to our guests too, is that we have excluded men from the conversation, yep. which does not help us move the movement forward at all. So for us to get anywhere, we need to include men into this Me Too conversation. So this is a good time to acknowledge that. Yeah. And I think also like the whole Me Too movement, obviously it's very empowering for women too, that have been like kind of hiding this, these experiences and not coming to like public terms with it or making it like shameful in the past and kind of open now. So that piece has been great. Mm -hmm. But I think the piece that we haven't fully discussed that we hear from like rumblings is the male side of what has been the impact on that side as well. 
So I mm-hmm. think like to your point, like I'd love to like continue to talk about this more holistically. Yeah. So Matthew, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen coming out of the Me Too movement in the dating landscape? Yeah, for men and women. I mean, it's like you said at the in the opening, a lot of men don't know what to do or, or how to be or, or what's appropriate and what's not. And I, I think I think in a good way, things got shaken up. You know, the way I came to be involved in this was I've always had women who are friends. I've always worked with women in my coaching. I I work primarily with women. And so I've been listening to women for years and they've shared their stories with me good and bad, you know, a lot of horror stories, especially in the dating world. And and as somebody who was single and dating through all of this, I've heard a lot. And so when the online movement happened, I was aware of all of this stuff. It was still very humbling to see the amount of stories being shared on my timeline, but I knew that those experiences were happening. Now, there were a lot of men who haven't had the same experience as I have, who had no idea what was going on, didn't know what to do. You know, we tend to, not just as men, but as humans, we, we try and fit other people into our framework and what we understand and our, our experiences. And so a lot of men were pushing back or, or victim blaming or trying to say that, you know, well, maybe she misunderstood what was happening and, and things like that. And so I started engaging in those conversations from a place of really trying to help men understand what women have been sharing with me for years. And the more I did that, the more women were like, okay, finally, a man who gets it, please write a book or, or teach a class or something, which is what I ended up doing. And so the men that I've come in contact with run the gamut from, you know, they're sensitive to this and they understand and they want to know how to provide a safer space and still be men and lead and date and all of those things to, you know, the full other side, as you mentioned, which is there's men who like, we're not going to go anywhere near women and, you know, men going their own way and the incel movement. And I think the majority of men are somewhere in the middle. We know something's going on. We're not sure what to do or what's really safe or appropriate to do anymore. And it's a space for for leadership, really, for for us to really figure out what we stand for as as people and and how we're going to interact and how we want our relationships to go, which we're not taught in school how to have successful relationships anyway, or how to communicate even. So it's like this big light just got shown on (laughs) on all of us and the the lack of education that we've had in how to really relate to each other. Can you elaborate a little more about what the incel movement is for anyone that's unaware? Yeah, so incel is involuntarily celibate. And, you know, men who are deciding that it's too scary to approach a woman in a bar, for instance, so I'm just going to go home and masturbate. I'm not going to, I'm going to be, or just be totally celibate and and not interact with women. Huh. Obviously, as a woman, like, I think it's great that this is coming out. And especially for the type of men that are kind of the catalyst to the Me Too movement, like, clearly, a lot of that's been sideswiped for years. And I think it's great that it's being brought out into the world. But I will say that there's probably like the majority of men that are good men that I don't want to speak for all women, but I think most women would agree that they don't want men to just be afraid to approach and to date anymore. So like Mm -hmm. kind of how do we work around this? Yeah, well, that I mean, that's the question, right? Because you, you were talking about consent. And so a lot of the debate that I observe is men feeling like we have to ask for permission at every step, right? Can I kiss you? Can I touch you here? 
Can we do this? Can we do that? And women, on the other hand, saying, we want the consent conversation, but being asked this and this and this over and over again is a big turnoff. Yep. <laughs> Where do we meet in the, in the middle on this? And that's, it's really, it comes down to being sensitive and aware as a man, being sensitive and aware of, of what women experience so that when I approach you, it's from a place where I, I have that in mind. And that doesn't mean I'm asking for permission at every step. It means that I'm, I can lead from a place of creating space, creating a safe space as a protector and provider. So like protector and provider has been like what the archetypal man is supposed to do, which in the past was killing our dinner and protecting our homestead, where now kind of evolved into I, I get to create a safe space for you to express yourself and I can still lead and be in my masculine. It, it just looks different. What does that look like in practice? Yeah, I wrote a column for or, or an article for the Good Men Project called Consent is Fun. And I talk mm -hmm. about how we can create partnership through consent versus asking for permission. So it looks like we're on a date and instead of asking, can I kiss you now? I can look at you and say, I'd really love to kiss you right now. Mm. It becomes an invitation and something that we create together versus like I'm asking yes or no and you're saying stop or go, you know, because that's adversarial. It sets up an adversarial thing. So in us being partners in what we're creating is I would love to kiss you right now. How about if we go upstairs? I'd love to see you again. You know, you know, all of all of those sorts of things where it's an invitation versus asking for permission. It's like we inclusive, which I love. Yeah. 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 And, you know, one of the things I said in the article, which is we as men kind of take on the persona of like that soap opera guy who is confident, not not cocky and not like fake, but just, you know, feeling that confidence, feeling ourselves in our bodies and knowing who we are and what we are able to provide as a man. And I'm not talking sexually. I'm talking about like who we are in the world. You know, we get to provide safety. We get to provide leadership, provide right. that strength in in power, which allows women to be open and receptive and, and in the flow and, and, and that sort of thing. Right. I think it's interesting because like, despite all the changing gender roles, and it has gotten confusing of like what to do and how to do it. But we still hear women all the time saying they want a man that's going to lead and not ask every last question and kind of come off as meek and all of that. But it's like, what is that balance of doing it in a way that's respectful? And that's not like, in a way that's harassing and all of that. I think that's the piece that I love your examples on. Yeah, thank you. And it's important to point out, not every example is going to work for everyone. Some women like their men to be more aggressive and some like them to be more passive. And so it's really comes down to finding the partners that you kind of gel with. And, right. and it's okay if you don't gel. Like that's the other part, because we as men are brought up in a society where every woman is supposed to want us, otherwise there's something wrong with us. You know, if she just wants to be my friend, then I failed in some way. Where what's real is we have chemistry with some people and we don't have chemistry with other people and that's okay. So we actually had a listener write in that was abroad for a while and he was moving back to the U.S. and had seen a lot of this in the news and was mm. very hesitant to just date in, in the United States. And he was basically saying that like even in the current climate, like hooking up or like things that you would have historically done on a first or second date, like he didn't mm -hmm. want to be in that unknowing group of Me Too perpetrators. From your thoughts, like have you heard of 
of other folks feeling this way or like what advice would you give him? Yeah, I mean, and I mean, and that's, you know, if you look at the, the incel movement and men going their own way, I mean, that's, that's what that is. I mean, that's what it seems to me to be is it men that are afraid to approach a woman or have sex with a woman or, you know, what, whatever, because they don't want to be accused of rape or sexual harassment or anything like that. You know, the, the advice is to, again, just being sensitive to what women are dealing with are there have been women who take advantage of that for the most part. And statistically, the false accusations are, are like 2%. It's a, it's a very small percentage. But to a man who's on the receiving end of that, it's a scary thing and it's a very real thing. And so with anything, I mean, you know, we we just have to really decide, like I said, who we're going to be and how we want to show up and be discerning. That's the other thing. We can slow down and spend time with a woman before getting into bed with her and decide if this is really somebody I can trust to have a relationship with, whether it's one night or 10 years. I feel like... This goes back to what I was talking about at the very beginning, is that this conversation hasn't been very inclusive of men. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of male friends who feel like they're walking on eggshells when they do talk about this. So they end up avoiding it on dates. They don't want to talk about it. But I almost feel like for a guy who's trying to navigate the dating scene right now, I would encourage you to just bring it up on a first date. Talk about the Me Too movement. Talk about like the confusion that you're facing. Talk about things that you're not understanding and just have an open discussion about it. And I think for the right person, the girl would mm-hmm. definitely reciprocate and also right. be open to that discussion. Well, I think that's what's been really great about the movement is that it's brought awareness and that open conversation. Because like, I think Matthew, you alluded to this earlier is like, a lot of men, and it's not saying that they were bad people for not being aware of the struggles that women deal with, mm-hmm. but I think a lot of people just weren't aware of like the, and even if it's not like harassment, but just like the need for safety. Like I know like a lot of times, like we'll talk to male uh, listeners or friends and they'll be like, oh, why do you Google dates? And it's like, we have to as women, yeah. like there's things yeah. that we just have to do. And um, I think that like the Me Too movement brought this forward, which was really great. I think just having those open conversations is a big piece of it. I mean, it's definitely, it's good date conversation. As a man, you can ask, how do you like to be approached? What do you look for in terms of, you know, leadership and consent and, you know, having those conversations on a date, which, which I've had. You know, there's never been anything detrimental by having those conversations. If You know, it sure beats talking about what I do for work, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And Matthew, you're in a monogamous relationship. Have you had this conversation with your girlfriend? Yeah, we definitely had these conversations. It's a, it's a new relationship, but actually it's, it's funny because we're both very much in the social justice world mm-hmm. and have had a lot of these conversations anyway, even before we were romantically involved. So it was all very natural coming out of that. Yeah. And also it's like your work. So I guess it kind of goes, which is a good segue because I think the biggest area that this is interesting, at least in my opinion, is I feel like historically a lot of people met in the workplace. Like I remember like one of my first jobs out of college, like there's so many marriages that happened from that workplace and people dated. It was like such like a way to meet people because it's obviously people that share your interests that you're around all the time. But I feel like with the Me Too movement, it's made people really gun shy because it's not only harassment, but it's harassment at work. 
like if things do go mm-hmm. wrong. I guess in your opinion, are there ways to navigate dating in the workplace or is this kind of like a no-go? I don't think it's a no-go. I think I think with anything, it just comes down to communication. And, it, and there's somebody that you're interested that you work with just being up front. And and saying that because I where where the problem gets in and there was there was oh gosh there was a viral video a while back that was demonstrating sexual harassment and there, you know this man was interested in this woman he was working with and he was spending late nights at the office and they showed him like leaning in over her shoulder and when they were leaving like he had his hand on her back and like all, all of these things that were he was trying to you know, make the moves, so to speak, but not in a very direct way. So she was not sure where to draw the line and say stop. And he ended up kissing her, which she didn't want. And then, you know, so there was this whole thing. Versus we're, if we work together and I, I'm attracted to you and I say, hey, I'm attracted to you and, you know, I don't want things to be uncomfortable at work, but I'd love to buy you a drink or buy you a cup of coffee or take you to dinner, then, you know, can say yes or no. The area where it gets into problems is if I'm your boss, then it's a tri- trickier situation. And there's, depending on the company, they have laws and yeah. rules and stuff about that. But I think it's fair game as long as you're upfront about what your intentions are. So I feel like boss has always been a gray area even before the Me Too movement. So <laughs> yeah. I think what I'm gathering from you is that workplace, like I think people are much more shy to do the workplace because of the consequences. But I gather from you is if you're just upfront and respectful and if someone denies you going out and you you just have to leave it at that like you can't keep pushing or do anything that would come off in a way that's disrespectful so interesting fact i've been the victim in 14 sexual harassment videos i've done them for ebay for amazon (laughs) goldman sachs and the army and 14 videos i've done there's one theme throughout, which is it's always a superior who is hitting on me and there's a power struggle and the conflict comes from, am I jeopardizing my career? So I'll give you an example. My eBay one was a senior manager and I are on a work trip together and it's late at night. We're going back to our hotel rooms and he asked me to go to his hotel room for a nightcap. And I say no. And he's like, well, your review's coming up soon. So how do you, you know, maybe Mm. you want to reconsider? Because the last time I did one of these videos was probably six or seven years ago. In light of the Me Too movement, I wonder if these videos are changing because we don't think about like your colleagues in that kind of mindset, right? Like colleagues Mm -hmm. go out, get drunk and then hook up. But there's none of that that's being brought out in these training videos. So I'd be so curious to see what has changed. So we did a recent sexual harassment training at work and they did address that and they did make it clear that like, like basically like superiors were off limits, but if you had someone of equal ranking, basically just needed to inform the company, but like you were okay to do it. But Mm -hmm. I think like the part that gets gray is like when someone's not sure if the other person's interested, because there are like couples that exist. I'm sure it just feels like 
at least from my observations, it feels like there's less and less of that happening this day and age. Mm. I feel like 10 years ago, people were meeting at work all the time and you just Mm -hmm. don't hear that as like a top way people meet anymore. And I just wonder if they're correlated in some way. Yeah, that is interesting because I'm also thinking back to the scenarios I've been put in for these videos. They've all been very action oriented and not words oriented. Mm. So like for the army, the guy roofied me. (laughs) (laughs) This niche that you got here. (laughs) When casting directors saw me, they're like, she should be sexually harassed. Yes. Uh, always been very action oriented but i think with the me too movement it's also bringing up this fact that like a lot of this could mm. be verbal yep. as well mm-hmm. so maybe that's like another side of it that brought to light or it's just the people are more like aware in general again like there was always sexual harassment going on like you've been yeah. in these videos like these people that came out as sexual harassers so like they just started when me too started like this has been suppressed for years so this has always mm-hmm. been happening i think now it's just more front of mind so probably a guy that isn't necessarily a sexual harasser it's just like having the thoughts go through their mind more like if I do something in a way Mm. that isn't well received oh my god what if they report me to HR exactly where in the past maybe they just didn't think about it and they just like acted in not a sexual harassing way but they acted where now they're just not acting Mm -hmm. and there's sexual harassment the other way around too right women sexually harassing men Mm -hmm. but how come we don't talk about that as much i mean i had a i remember one of my male co-workers back in the day had a female boss who always asked him to hang out on the weekends always Mm one-on-one and nothing ever came of it he was just so annoyed by it because she kept, I mean, harassing him. I think yeah. there's a couple of things. I love your opinion too, Matthew, but I think one, it just like doesn't happen as frequently. So mm-hmm. I think there's that. And then there's also like, since women are perceived not as dangerous, right? you know what yeah. I mean? Like women are never like, even though like in theory, they could be just as dangerous. True. There is a perception that they are like not someone that is going to assert themselves as much. So there's like a mm-hmm. safety factor. Right. Yeah. Well, and the other element is, man, there's this perception that we're only interested in sex. And so mm. if a woman is sexually harassing a man in that context, then it's like, well, what's the problem? Because right. she's supposed to want it anyway. But it's but that's that's not the case. And if you look at, you know, Terry Crews, who, you know, came out with his Me Too story, he got a lot of backlash from men and women, you know, and they're like, but you're this big muscular guy. Why didn't you just say no? But it was the, like the power struggle like you're talking about, where he was concerned about his career. And, and so, you know, men are perceived as as weak if we're declining a woman's advances or if we say we're the victim of anything. Mm. And, and so that's an element that really hasn't had a voice. Men victims in the Me Too movement have not had a voice. And, and that's really unfortunate because we, you know, we as men carry a lot of grief and shame as it is. And carrying something around like that, and I know, you know, men who, who were, you know, raped and molested at very young ages who never told anybody, but, and then it comes out, it manifests in different ways and behaviors. You know, it's like we're, we're, really, we're really screwed up as a society around sex and intimacy as it is. And so to be violated in that way and then carry that around and not have a way to process it is really, it's really sad. And it's a big contributor to, to all of this. Yeah, let's talk about that for a sec, because Julie and I went to South by Southwest this year, mm-hmm. and a lot of the panels and discussions we went to, men were being very apologetic 
for being men. And also a lot of the talks were shaming men for being Mm -hmm. men. I know guys who they just feel so ashamed of themselves and for not anything that they've done, but there's like this self-loathing that's happening. And I can't imagine being in a scenario that you just described as a guy who may have been molested as a child. And now in this climate feels like he's just so alone because there's just no help for him. And I'm sure you have clients like that too. What is some advice you give to men who are kind of like down in the dumps? Let's take a quick break and talk about how I am the master of multitasking. I was running late the other day to a meeting and I literally was running while putting on lipstick, dabbed some of the lipstick onto my cheeks to double as blush and down a cup of coffee at the same time. Kids, don't try this at home. But seriously, when it comes to beauty, we're all ingenious because we have to be. Any beauty routine needs to be able to keep up with our on-the-go lives. And this company called Wander Beauty totally gets it. Everything they make is travel-friendly, easy to use, and multi-purpose, such as some of my favorites, like the double-ended concealer and the color for both lips and cheeks. They're dedicated to clean beauty and formulating everything with skin-loving ingredients that means cruelty-free, mess-free, and stress-free. For dateable listeners, get 20% off your purchase at wanderbeauty.com dateable. That's wanderbeauty, spelled W-A-N-D-E-R, dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E for 20% off. wanderbeauty.com slash dateable. Now, back to the show. What is some advice you give to men who are kind of like down in the dumps? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, it's what I've spent the last 20 plus years of my life doing is to really think about like how you want to feel, right? So if I know that I feel ashamed to be a man, if I know that I feel weak, if I know that I'm down in the dumps and, and even if I can't put the words, you know, I feel shame and guilt, but I, I don't feel empowered, then how do I want to feel? Well, I want to feel powerful. I want to feel strong. I want to feel capable. Okay, so what can I do to do that? For me, it started with martial arts. I started, Mm. you know, I wanted to train in martial arts when I was a kid, but my mom wouldn't let me. (laughs) And so, you know, I was bullied and got beat up and all of that and felt weak until I was about 23 or 24 when I started training in martial arts. After 10 years of that gave me a place where it's like, okay, I can take care of myself. I can take care of whomever I'm with. I was fortunate in that the dojo I trained at really focused on... Uh, developing character and honor and integrity. And so I was able to step into a bigger version of myself. And then in taking relationship courses, taking personal development courses, finding other men who were on the same path as me that I could relate to. And I know like there's, there's a lot of different men's groups out there also, you know, and if that's something that speaks to a man, he, you know, he should go check that out and be around other men. It's our personal journey to seek out how we want to be and how we want to show up. And and so what I would say to men who are feeling that way is, well, how do you want to feel? Who do you want to be? And then go do the things that, that have you feel that way. I want to go back to what you just said, which is you're recommending men to go to these all men's groups. And I love that suggestion, mm-hmm. except I think a lot of guys don't see that as a mainstream option for them. I mean, women have sure. it to them all the time. We right. go to retreats, we go yeah. to all women's goddess circles, <laughs> all <laughs> that. And it's just so mm-hmm. accepted. But I think for yeah. a, a guy to to ask him to go to an all men's retreat or a group, I think there is some sort of obstacle that's keeping them yeah. out of that. So oh, how would you, let's sell this to them. I, I really think this well, is a great idea, but what would you say to them? Well, here's the thing. I'm not selling it. <laughs> 
either. I'm saying like if it was something that they felt called to do or if it was interesting to them to, to check it out, you know, because it, it may not be. And But I will say that being around other men in a safe space to discuss the issues of being a man, you know, because a lot of us, like I, I wrote the book Man School because it seemed like that would be the easiest way to reach men because who's, you know, quote, who's going to show up at a course, mm-hmm. right? We get to read the book by ourselves and figure it out. And then I have an online course, but it's an online course that you can do at home. But then, you know, if you want to ultimately, you know, being around other men and getting that we're not alone, I'm not alone in the the shame and the guilt that I feel. I'm not alone in feeling weak. I'm not alone in, you know, having to feeling like I have to walk on eggshells. You know, I wrote I wrote the book so that we so men could, you know, read it in the privacy of our own home. And then I have an online course. That's an online course. So you can do that in the privacy of your own home. And then and and when you can get out and be around other men and and discuss these issues and realize I'm not alone in feeling ashamed. I'm not alone in um, having things about sex that I don't understand. I'm not alone. Once we get around each other and get that we have these shared experiences, we can actually empower and support each other. And that's that's the thing that comes from from groups, whether it's an all men's group or a martial arts you know organization or a personal development seminar or or, or whatever it is, being around other people and getting that, you know, we're all human. We all have our own variations of the same stuff, but at the root of it, it's the same stuff. So what about women? Because I feel like um, women's groups have just like skyrocketed mm-hmm. since the B2 movement and just like feminism as a whole, which I think is fantastic. I think it's great that women have the opportunity to meet other women that may have shared experiences or women of different generations or whatever it may be. However, I think the downside comes when it becomes like a man bashing session. Like, I don't think that's necessarily beneficial for Me Too movement of, I mean, I think like we talked about the incel movement before, but like, I think most women ultimately want to be with a loving masculine partner if they're heterosexual. So I don't know if it's necessarily helping in that regards. And it's also not necessarily helping women's empowerment by just bringing down another group. What advice would you have for women that kind of like want an outlet, but want to do it in a productive way? Well, I mean, it's it's the same thing for men, just the different sides. Like, what do you want? What kind of relationship do you want? And are you going to have that by bashing men and by saying, well, all men are idiots or all men are stupid or all men are at the core are are harassers and and all of that. We not only get to choose how we're going to be, we get to choose how we see each other. And there's a lot of power in that. And there are women's groups that I know who specifically say that they're to heal women and men and to hold up men to our our highest and, and really acknowledge us. And, you know, that's really great to see. And as a man, on the receiving end of, of male bashing, for me, it's like, okay, I get it. I'm not going to fight back against it because you can't you know, win. Can't win. And, you know, it, it just reinforces if I do, not from a place of conceding, but, but from a place of being like, okay, you know, I get that that's your experience and that's, that's fine. And in relation to a woman who appreciates me as a man, holy crap. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing better than that, honestly. And that, you know, the relationship that I'm in is really the first time that I've really the first time (laughs) that I've really been acknowledged for, for who I am as a man and how I show up and, and the work that I do 
in a in a real and deep way and it's it's phenomenal yeah i mean i love the good men project in general yeah. because i feel like it's kind of reshaping and reteaching manhood and i think that's like mm. honestly the more like good experiences women can have with men that just like teaches right because it's like yeah. you can hear all you want but your own experiences are going to dictate the way you think so if mm-hmm. you've dealt with a lot of people that are misogynistic or just sure. like i don't want to say harassers but like inappropriate or whatever it may be that's going to be your like mindset so the more mm-hmm. like men that we can infuse like this, it's okay to be this way it's okay to be like not the stereotypical masculine qualities yeah. i think that will filter into women's perception as well and I, I find this with pretty much all of the couples that I coach. If you look at our, you know, TV, right, TV and movies and, and media, the way that, especially sitcoms, right, it's it's funny if a man is is a dope and kind of, you know, stumbles and fails and is, is an idiot. And the woman wears the pants in the family and berates him and all that. Like, that's what's been fed to us as comedy for, you know, Mm, I mean, as long as I've been watching TV, which then translates into our actual relationships. And so a lot of times I'll see, you know, the woman, if a man says something, she'll roll her eyes or she'll, you know, have this attitude or literally say, oh, he's stupid or men are stupid or why, you know, why are men so stupid? And I hear that from women too. Why are men so stupid? But it's like, we're, we're not, we're just, we're different and we're coming at it from like our perception and our experience and you have your perception your experience and the more that we can turn towards each other and partner that's how we're going to have successful relationships romantic or otherwise but the more that we're like cutting each other down because then you know it's like the women say men are stupid and then the men say well women are just irrational and Mm -hmm. and, emotional emotional and irrational and welcome to the last you know 30 40 years of I think though one of the things that I'm like most excited about of our current like state and media specifically is like probably like this comes from the internet and social media as a good is that other voices can be heard. Mm-hmm. Like I think podcasts have really paved the way from that. It's not like I don't I don't want to like stereotype but old white men like sitting in a mm-hmm. writer's room like writing things that are archaic. Like people can yeah. speak to what is going on in current day society and that can like get out to the masses and we don't have to have these specific stereotypes that have kind of shaped gender roles because it feels like this whole conversation like despite all the progress we've made it all roots to gender roles still Mm -hmm. it's the archetypes and and, you know when I first started my personal development journey in in my 20s so that was you know 25 years ago um, a teacher that I was working with asked me who is your archetype or the man that you want to be and she was like it could be a real person or somebody on TV or whatever. And I had to think really long and hard about that because, you know, there's athletes, there's actors. My dad, who I love very much, he wasn't it, you know? And so who I landed on, and I, you know, I don't know if how old you all are, but was um, Michael Landon in Little House on the Prairie, Pa English. <laughs> like he was the, the dad. You know, and he was a rancher and he worked hard, and he, but he was like there for his daughters and there for his wife. And, you know, if he had to get in a fight, he got in a fight. And, and like that was that's where I had to go to find a man that had the qualities that I 
wanted. I think this is a good time to do some takeaways. I think when you were talking about relationships, it just, I keep thinking about how we have these conversations about how we want to be in relationships. That's where we're dating. But we forget that part of being in a relationship is that you have to relate to someone else. Mm -hmm. And we can't have these conversations without relating to someone else. And I think that's why the the man bashing, the, the misunderstandings that happen are because we have these conversations exclusive, the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So we have to be more inclusive. And one of the ways we, we can be inclusive is we just bring up the conversation, talk mm-hmm. about what is happening in today's climate and talk about the things that you're confused about and the obstacles that you're facing, because that's also your personal journey too. And it makes you vulnerable and it helps you relate to the people you're talking to. Totally. And to piggyback off of that, I think it's like all comes down to education because I think that's what's really been the beauty of Me Too. It's like, mm-hmm. obviously what happened, why Me Too happened is not wonderful at all. Like that's mm-hmm. horrible. But the benefit of it is that's shed light into the struggles that women face and like mm-hmm. what can happen. And I think that education is really important. And I think we need to now do the education for men that is also starting to happen. Yes. Um, but I think at the same time, like, It's educating, but not being afraid also. It's being open to having conversations and not being afraid to like talk it through, but also not using it as fair that you don't do anything because that's not really helping anyone either. Like, I don't think men or women really truly desire to never interact with each other and like be in love and procreate. Like that isn't necessarily the goal of this either. So like why like let fair in that regards hold you back. So I think like Mm -hmm. the stuff that you said earlier is like, how do we just have a more inclusive conversation where we are curious and we question Mm -hmm. and we like are in this together, like that whole like realm. And I think this is a big shift too, that we've seen is like, even like the term relationship versus partnership. Like it's like, we are in this together. We are going to be equals and we're going to like work through this. I think that is like a great strive to be because it's not putting down one gender or the other or having an imbalance in either way. Mm-hmm. And for all the women out there, let's think about this for a sec. Like think about all the magazines you grew up reading. Oh, I remember reading like, <laughs> what, what was it? Cosmo? Um, not Cosmo, the one for younger. Teen Bop or? Like, no, there was like one in between there. Why? 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 Young women. Yes. Why? Oh my I God. 17. And 17 when <sighs> I was younger and it was all about getting the boy. And it yeah. was all about like how to change yourself to get the guy, how to be more feminine, how to get your nails looking great, how to get your hair looking awesome. And then I, I subscribed to Maxim when I was like yeah. in my twenties because I was just so curious what was being fed to men. And it was mm. all about like, like, look at this latest car. Look at this watch. <laughs> how to get jacked. How to get jacked. <laughs> yeah. How to, how to upgrade your girlfriend. So I think for all the women out there, like, let's just say this. I think we've just completely forgotten about men for a long time. Men's personal development. I think women have always been on a personal journey of bettering ourselves. There are so many resources to us. Men have always been on this train of like, superficiality, band-aid solutions to everything, no resources or groups for them to open up about what they're going through. And so it's all trapped deep down inside and it manifests in sometimes very violent ways. So this is the time we need to help our men. It starts with the men in our families, men in our networks. I'm I've been educating my dad for a long time now, you know, just telling him certain things yeah. he says aren't okay. Yeah. I think that we got to start here. And if you, if you are a mother and you have a son or a few sons, this is where it starts. You've got to think about like, what is it that you 
what is the man that you want your son to be? And you got to start educating them now. Let's not forget about that. I love that. And I think we can bitch all day long about modern dating. Yeah. But I think one of the best things about modern dating is that we don't have bullshit like we were just saying in YM, like how to get the guy and like those like tactics. Like I think we're in a much like I was saying earlier, like media is like more free speech now. Mm -hmm. It's not like contrived by like certain publications or networks and that stuff. Like people are having their voice and people can kind of let their voice be heard. And I think that's something really wonderful that we have going right now that we don't have one way to look at things. And we're not like kind of put into these one size fits all stereotypes and people are really questioning and challenging what it means to be a man and a woman. Yeah, let's not let the momentum die here. Matthew, do you have any takeaways? I know you talk about this stuff all day long, but like anything new from this conversation? Um, you know, in addition to educating men and, and women that, you know, we need to revamp the schools and, yes. the, you know, education around like how to communicate. Like my, you know, I have, I have three kids. So my daughter's 14 and I have twin boys that are 11. Wow. And in elementary school, they do community circle once a week where they, you know, they talk about stuff and, and they get some some conflict resolution teaching. But, you know, it's very minimal. And, you know, you, you were talking about um, we're not taught how to relate with each other. We're not taught how to communicate. We're mm-hmm. taught to debate. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we, we value at an early age, oh, I won that one. So the more that we can teach kids to communicate and relate with each other, to look at the world through the other person's eyes and really seek to understand, that's going to go a long way for future generations. That's a great point. For sure. We actually had an original question of the day from this guy named Joel, but his question you've already answered, which is talking about how to balance between, you know, this consent culture, but also women who like men who are assertive and taking control. So we We already talked about that balance. But I have a question for you from my guy friends that I've spoken to. Okay. UA, I've completely given up on dating because one, the modern dating scene is already tough as is. And two, with the Me Too movement, I just don't even know what to do anymore. I don't know how to approach women at bars. I don't even know how to approach them online without sometimes offending them. I never know if I'm offending someone because I feel like I always do. So they've said, I've completely given up on dating and I will revisit in a few years. Hmm. And also they've said this too. They said, you know, I've never sexually harassed anybody, but I feel like these men have fucked it up for me. And Hmm. I'm just so angry at my own gender and and I just don't even want to be associated anymore. So what would you say to these men? Well, well, first of all, I would say I have a man school online course that, that talks about <laughs> yes. a lot of this stuff. So, you know, there's that. Uh, I get it and I understand. And it's, it's funny because people have always complained about the dating scene. Like even mm-hmm. before online dating, before the Me Too movement, before any of this, it's on the, on the one hand, that, that part's nothing new. Like people have always complained about dating. True. You know, not wanting to date for the next couple of years until, I don't know, till what, till all this blows over or till we get more education and training. I said earlier, it, it really is, what do you want? You want to meet a partner and what, have, a, have a relationship. Okay, so what are the ways to do that? You could have your friends introduce you. You could, you can approach women. You know, the other thing that screwed up stuff for men and women is the whole pickup artist mm-hmm. thing, yeah. all manipulation and tricks and, and all of that. And so, 
you know, for me, what has always worked is to just be genuine. If we exchange a smile, I'll come over, I'll say, hello, my name is Matthew. I just want to say hello. And then whatever happens from there happens from there. And if she says no, then it's like, okay, have a good night. And not taking that personally and, and getting that it doesn't mean anything about me. She says no. One of the things that really had me be successful in the dating world is I was approaching it from just being curious. I wanted to meet women. I wanted to know what I liked and what worked for me and what didn't. And I wanted to know you know, from women what worked for them and what didn't. And I kind of did dating backwards. I was in relationships all through my 20s. And then I was married for nine years. And then after my marriage, I was in a two-year relationship. And so after that, I was like, you know what, I just need to date. (laughs) And so, you know, I really had an amazing time just meeting women and spending time with them and talking and listening. And whether it was coffee or, you know, a three month relationship or a one year relationship, you know, eventually it's, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, like even men, you know, to find the one or to to get somebody to sleep with us or whatever it is, like, there's a lot of pressure. But if we can just approach it from, I'm going to go and meet somebody and, and see what comes out of that and see what I get to learn. I love that. And then that also like you, I feel like if you just go in like this is a human being that's an equal, Mm -hmm. you're going to like automatically not come off on that creepy vibe. Like I think that creepy vibe comes in when you're like trying to get something. Like There's an ulterior motive that's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And also I just I don't believe in deprivation. Why deprive yourself of the opportunity of meeting someone great and having a relationship with them? Like, why would you deny yourself that opportunity? Mm -hmm. And also, what's going to come up in three years? Like, what's this arbitrary? Like, something else will be going on. Or something brand new will come up. You have to, like, navigate through the times. I think that's, like, another good takeaway to end this is, like, whatever is happening, you need to just, like, be, yeah, like, be educated on understand what's happening in the landscape and like work with it not against it yes very true preach cool thank you so much matthew if people want to reach out to you how can they find you uh my website is coachwithmatthewsolomon.com great and we'll link that in the show notes yeah uh do you have anything else coming up soon uh well i have uh some retreats coming up a all couples retreats. Retreat. A couples retreats. Okay. Yeah, couples retreats. Some other things. It's all on my website. And then my Man School online course is live, and and that's a home study that you can do at home. And I have another Man School book coming out that that uh, deals with sex and intimacy. Um, yeah, I have that, and then some speaking engagements. So you know, awesome. all of that's on my website. Great. I might awesome. take this Man course. Yeah, I love it. I'm very curious. Sure. And then, um, <laughs> how often do you write on Good Men projects? It's a weekly column. So awesome. it's every Tuesday at uh, 10.30 a.m. Pacific time is when my, my article comes out. Sweet. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I love that we're getting an expert's point of view on mm. men dealing with the, you know this dating climate today. But we also love to hear from our listeners who are going through it, yeah. who've gotten through it. How about that? You've gotten over the obstacles and the challenges and share with us what was your journey yeah. in going through that. And men of course, and women. And women. <laughs> we want to be inclusive with any, anybody anybody who wants to talk about their personal journey of navigating the dating scene which is what dateable is all about okay we're gonna wrap this up stay, stay dateable. dateable your action item for this week is to join uncomfortable discussions we have a tendency to surround ourselves with people who have similar perspectives and beliefs some of us want to avoid conflict but this week could you join a discussion without debating 
Could you join a discussion by simply listening and learning? The way we can propel ourselves forward is not by excluding and avoiding. Join in on that discussion with the right intentions. Want to continue the conversation? First, tag us in any post with hashtag StayDatable. Then head on over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching services with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. To connect with us, find Dateable Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're also downloadable on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. Thank you.